Welcome back, listeners, to Behind the Service Podcast. I'm your host, Libby Bates, and I appreciate you being here today and tuning in. We have a special guest here today, Hannah O'Brien, and she is from the Veteran Spouse Network, and we've been trying to connect for a little while now. And so she's been gracious enough to show me some grace when I couldn't make the appointment. So I appreciate you being here, Hannah. So could you talk to our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're doing over there at Veteran Spouse Network? Absolutely. So yes, I'm Hannah. I am the program manager of the Veteran Spouse Network Initiative. And we have an interesting stack, like hierarchical stack. We actually operate out of the University of Texas at Austin. And my team also runs a research institute, the Institute for Military and Veteran Family Wellness out of the school of social work there. So social work is my background. So that's kind of, and I graduated from UT Austin's um, graduate social work program. And so that's how I came into this. And we do lots of stuff through the Institute, research, training, conferences, the like, but the Veteran Spouse Network is really our programming arm. So that's where we're serving people directly. And that's what I manage day to day. And basically what we do there is we serve military and veteran spouses, partners, family members, couples, basically the whole family side of things. And we do that primarily through peer support. So that's really our foundational program. We have lots of different peer support programs that I can go into more, of course, but we really believe that just like we see in the military and veteran community, where that peer-to-peer relationship is really powerful, where you can talk to someone who knows what you've been through, isn't going to judge you, isn't going to ask you those really inappropriate questions that other people may ask you. It's really powerful just to connect with other people. And that wasn't really in existence for the spouse population all that much when we started back in 2016, January of 2016. And so we were hearing from spouses that they really, they saw their veterans getting that support. They saw it working for them and they said, okay, where is this for us? And so that's what we were born out of. And we've grown from a Texas network to a national network and just listening to our network and figuring out what do they need? How can we pivot and adjust to provide them with those services? Yeah. Yeah. Family members of veterans do deserve more comprehensive support and recognition and and all that they do, because as a military spouse, you are supporting your veteran. So I appreciate that you guys are taking that initiative and finding programs in order for spouses to utilize those programs. You said Veteran Spouse Network has been in existence since 2016. Yeah. What kinds of issues are you guys noticing as far as that need more attention regarding the spouses? What are you finding? What are they saying? These are some things that we need to address. Absolutely. So actually what's interesting is when I came on and I'm about to celebrate six years in May of being here, my boss is a social work researcher by trade, Dr. Elisa Bora. And she's also a veteran spouse. And I should have mentioned that I'm a veteran spouse myself. And so she, when she launched Veteran Spouse Network, she approached it from a research angle, trying to answer that exact question. Like, what are the experiences that spouses have that are unique? And are there supports out there to address those or not? So she used this network model across the state of Texas initially to gather spouses together and start having those conversations. What are their need areas, doing surveys and assessments and things like that. And initially a lot of the, and so again, this was back in 2016, but a lot of it was career support and that sort of thing. But what we found through by accident, by bringing them together to have these conversations about Mm -hmm. these need areas, 
that ended up being what they really felt they were missing was that community, that post-service community, right? There's some of that embedded when you're an active duty spouse, although that situation totally differs by installation, branch, everything. But post-service spouses were really losing that community support, that tie to the military community. Or for spouses like me who met their veteran after their service had ended, I had no idea like what I'd gotten into. What is this military culture? What it, what are these things that they're struggling with? And who the heck do I talk to to get some understanding? So that lack of community connection understanding was really what we saw, was what they were needing, what they didn't have. So that's where we came into existence. But now what we've seen, as everyone has seen, the pandemic has changed a lot yes. in terms of needs, challenges how people can even want to receive support, et cetera. And so we really hit the ground hard with more community support to combat that isolation we were all facing. But other things that we've seen, there is definitely still some career stuff, especially in that transition period out of service, like as families are kind of reestablishing life post-service, career education are definitely heavy hitters trying to figure out, okay, who's going to do what now that we have some flexibility and choices? Children, families, like childcare and getting their education set up, especially post-service, but also while active. In the pandemic, we saw a lot of food insecurity. So Mm -hmm. food insecurity became a huge issue. We did a project with Military Family Advisory Network to dig into that and figure out what was going on. And then a lot of stuff, it's relationships. A lot of what we hear in our groups and stuff, it's that relationship between them, their service member, their veteran, and just how do we, even amongst each other, have that understanding, set Mm -hmm. boundaries. A lot of them are in these caregiver roles, whether they, whatever kind of spectrum they fall on the caregiver role are, and how do you kind of navigate that? And you're Mm -hmm. also trying to be someone's partner. When you're also trying to be a parent, when you're also trying to be an individual of your own. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So lots of discussions on burnout and compassion fatigue and, and all that sort of stuff. But, and I'd say that's really where the crux of where we focus on is creating spaces where spouses and family members can prioritize their own wellness because this population were servers, were givers, and it can be really easy to put our own needs and things on the back burner. And so that's a lot of what we're seeing and addressing when we do these peer support groups and conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing. When I talk to veteran caregivers or spouses, it's finding their own identity and their loss of identity, being a caregiver or a spouse to a military service member who has a, a medical issue or anything like that is losing their identity. So I've noticed that a lot. Mental health issues, I've noticed that a lot. Mental health and wellness. And so with some of the programs that we do of the podcast over here at Behind the Service and Coming Home Well is geared towards mental health and wellness and um, talking about things like that, like career development, transitioning and different things, highlighting any nonprofits or veteran supports systems out there for the families, the caregivers, the veterans. So it's super duper important to be able to find those and utilize those. So there are a lot, but sometimes hidden or you think they do one thing, they have more. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I like that you guys are pivoting with the pandemic because each organization has had to pivot with the pandemic going on. And a lot of people went virtually doing 
because typically when you think of groups getting together, spouse groups getting together, it's in person since that wasn't able to happen. Your guys are able to utilize virtual groups then to be able to reach more people. We were, and I think we were lucky in the fact that when the pandemic hit, we were serving all of Texas and we were doing it initially in person. We had an Austin group, Colleen, San Antonio, et cetera, all over the state. But the summer of 2019, we were like, man, Texas is huge. Like, we're not going to be able to stand up all these in-person groups and serve all the spouses across Texas. So in summer, we started offering virtual groups so that we could reach a wider net. And boy, am I glad we did because we really got to work out some of the kinks before the pandemic, how we train our peer leaders, what is unique about a virtual environment. It's just different, right? We all know that very well now. And so I think we were very lucky in that sense. And so we made the full pivot in March of 2020 to virtual and had been doing that for a long time. And that was also when we made the decision to expand nationally. Because why not? Why not? Exactly. We'd been hearing for such a long time, spouses from other states would come to us and be like, okay, where's the North Carolina chapter of the Veteran Spouse Network? And it would just break our heart. Gosh, we're not a, we're not a chapter. Rit. Yeah. We wish we could serve you. And that really was a silver lining for us in the pandemic was to be able to open up our services. And so, yeah, we went fully virtual in the last year or so back and forth. We've started reintegrating back to some in-person groups for those leaders and communities that feel comfortable and are wanting that. But we also created new programming in the pandemic because when the pandemic hit, our only program that we were offering was a program we run called the Veteran Spouse Resiliency Group. And it is a curriculum-driven, evidence-based peer support group program for post-service veteran spouses. And it's 12 weeks long. It's a 12-week curriculum that, that we created and piloted. And if you rewind and remind yourself how you felt in March, 2020, 12 weeks, yeah, we uh-huh. didn't know what was right. happening next week. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. And so we were kind of like, all right, we need to reach more people and we need to reach them in a way that they need to be reached right now. So we created a program we still run today called our social club program. And it's just like more low commitment, high reward, one time or couple time virtual peer support. And we do it in person too, for those communities that want it, but primarily virtual. And it can really be anything. We have one leader who does a coffee chat. It's like totally just a check-in, come as you are any day you want. It's every Friday. She's been doing it for almost three years, every Friday at the same time, bringing in speakers, focusing on those different topics. So all those issues we just talked about that spouses and families are facing, we can quickly put pull together a talk on that. Let's come and talk about career. Let's come and talk about relationships. And it doesn't have to be this 12-week commitment. So that, that really opened us up. And so that, I think, was one of the biggest ways that we were able to pivot in the pandemic and bring a lot of people in because we were serving them in a way that was much more approachable when we were all <laughs> going yeah. through this together. <laughs> I noticed online that you guys have different peer support groups with leaders in various states now. Yes. So are you looking to get and gather peer support leaders in each state? 
we are, we are right at the kind of that crux moment of like true expansion and trying to figure out what that looks like. Expansion beyond the virtual realm. Because right now our in-person opportunities are just still in the state of Texas. It's where our funding comes from. But we get approached a lot by these organizations who are like, hey, I found that you guys already have this and we don't want to reinvent the wheel. The spouses in Maine really need this. Like, how can we come together? And so that's where we are right now, having a lot of those conversations so we can figure out how to disseminate, how to structure whatever, and how to collaborate ultimately with organizations or cities, states, counties across the U.S. to be able to have those really chapters, essentially, where they can be doing those in-person groups or even regional virtual groups, if that makes more sense. I think virtual is so, so good that we've been able to pivot like that. But in person, I think is so much better because a lot of veteran spouses isolate themselves, right? And they stay in this bubble. And so being able to get out in into your community with other veteran spouses that know the journey that you're walking and understand that, it's I think it's so much more beneficial to be out with people in person so that you can have that. I think that's real good to be able to keep building that. I love the direction that you guys are going and all of the things that you guys are doing. So let's talk a little bit about the programs themselves. What kind of programs do you offer there at Veteran Spouse Network? Yeah, I briefly mentioned our Veteran Spouse Resiliency Group program. So that kind of is our, I guess, if you want to say our flagship or whatever, that's where we kind of we started with that that 12-week curriculum and, and our model too, coming from social work, coming from research. When we create programming, we go to the community, right? Yes, our staff is mainly veteran or military spouses, ourselves as well. So we do have that personal experience, but we're just a handful of people. We're not all the experiences. And so when we create new programming, we want to talk to the people we're creating it for and say, okay, is this even something like that you want or need? And if so, be a part of building it with us so that we make sure it's touching on the content that you need it to touch on. And even like down to logistical things, right? So when we built this curriculum, we were asking them like, what's too long? What's too long of a session? What's too many sessions, et cetera? What topics do we want to talk about? And then when we dropped the curriculum, we even had several of those spouses stay on to review it, provide edits, et cetera, and came up with this 12 session curriculum. It was back in summer of 2017 was our first edition of this curriculum. This last December, we finalized our seventh edition of it. So it's still 12 sessions, but we constantly are trying to get it to that final state. And we do that by collecting data. So we do program evaluations on this and also get participant feedback to make sure, hey, did this land? Was this helpful? Did you hate it? Is there something missing? And from our leaders as well, what's not really working when you're like administering this? What do you think is missing? Or something comes down in the community, like when moral injury became much more discussed, right? That was missing from our curriculum initially. And then it was becoming this huge, relevant conversation. So we're like, all right, we got to add this in. So I think we're getting to that kind of final state of it, which was really exciting. Um, But it touches on everything. And again, it really is for that, the post-service spouse. So spouses who are transitioning out of the military with their partner are already out. So we're not talking about like deployment cycles or PCSing or anything like that. We're talking about what life looks like afterwards. And it's everything from self-care, goal setting, 
all the tough stuff. And we call it the lingering effects of service. Like what, what is hanging on post-service that your family is struggling with and really getting into those tough topics. So we do, we talk about trauma, compassion, fatigue, suicide, PTSD, et cetera. We also talk about how to seek help, you know, and how to walk that journey with your veteran too, when they're seeking help and what that role is like when you are serving in a semi or fully caregiver role. And then we talk about relationships and kids and families and all that stuff too. So it really hits on just about everything. Again, with that theme of this is a space for them, you know, where they can come together and talk about, yes, we're talking about our veteran because that's what we share. That's what we bring us, brings us together, but we're really focused on them and what they need and how to help them get there. So that's that program. I love that so much. So I think that Military spouses are leaders. They're just natural leaders. We lead our families along with our veteran. We lead our families and help in that way. Are there leadership opportunities available for spouses that want to get into that role? Absolutely. We are pretty much volunteer-led. At about any given time, we have about 40 active volunteer leaders across the country. And pretty much as I'm talking through each of our programs, there are really leadership opportunities in every single one of the programs. We cannot do this without our peer volunteers. We're a growing staff, but I think we're a staff we just hired. So I'm like now trying to do math, but I think we're a staff of six now. And that's doing VSN and our institute and everything that goes on that side. So we really can't do this without our peers. So there are tons of opportunities to get involved if it's through that program, which we call VSRG, it is a little bit more structured because it is following a curriculum. I should have mentioned that while it is a 12-session curriculum, one of the other things we did in the pandemic was how can we increase access to this curriculum for people who can't commit to 12 weeks? So we also do mini-series and even solo sessions where we'll just pull one topic out. And so that there's lots of opportunities, both from the leader side, not all leaders can commit to, I'm running a 12-week group, Right. That's a big commitment and same with our participants. So there are more opportunities even to engage with that curriculum than just being in the 12 week group. Sounds great. So anybody that is listening, if you're interested in signing up to be a leader with Veteran Spouse Network, they're always looking for volunteers and support in that way. So go over and how can our listeners find your organization and utilize the resources there? Yeah. So our website is simple, veteranspousenetwork.org. And then we're also on the majority of the social media platforms. So we're, we have a Facebook page, an Instagram, we have a YouTube page, a LinkedIn, and then Eventbrite. You can look us up on Eventbrite because our social club program, which is more the one-offs and fun, but also sometimes serious and speaker-led conversations. We use Eventbrite for that. So that's also a great place to just see what we have going on, plug in where you want to plug in. But our website will, we have a leadership opportunities page on there that tells you what options you have as a volunteer and kind of what what those first steps are to get involved. Okay. And then do you guys do, have you guys noticed that um, Bible studies and things like that have been beneficial for caregivers or in that spouse realm? Do you guys do anything in that area? Yes and no. Partially, we are affiliated with the public university, so we do have to be cautious about those lines. We've done, we've had a leader do essentially like a Christian book club where they picked a book that had a Bible study element to it, but it wasn't, wasn't full on. And I think she's about to actually do another one 
soon. So that's as, as far into it as, as we've gotten on that front. Although we've had other leaders share things like that, that they're doing in their own communities with veteran spouses. And so I think they're, I've heard anecdotally from those spouses that is quite valuable in their communities. But we usually try to empower them to work with their local churches to make that happen. Because again, I think that's a great community connection that we're just not as plugged into. And do you have a word of advice for any veteran spouse that is listening right now? You could Connect. Don't think you are alone in this. It gets so easy to feel that way. Like I'm the only person going through X. I say a lot of times that like, I think our groups are the like ruler to measure your experience against, because I think it's really easy to think what's going on in my life is not normal or gosh, I feel crazy or, you know, whatever. And then you get in these groups and you hear all these people like, yeah, yeah, me too. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that is the biggest thing we hear on the front end of people coming to our groups is I feel alone. I feel alone in my experience. And when they come out on the other side, they say, wow, I'm not alone at all. There are tons of people who are living this life, who understand what I'm going through, who can provide me that support. And that's powerful. Don't think you're alone. And don't be scared to connect. The one thing I do want to say too that I didn't mention is groups sometimes are intimidating, right? We also offer one-on-one peer support with our leaders. So whether you're just looking for one person to connect to and talk to and start there, or you're looking for that group, that community, we've got you covered. So connect because you're going to you're going to get something out of it. Love that so much. All right, listeners, if you go over to veteranspousenetwork.org, you'll be able to find all the resources on their website over there. And Hannah, thank you so much for being here today to share the organization with our listeners. And I just encourage you guys to keep going. I think it's great what you guys are doing. So I appreciate it. It was so nice to meet you and I'm glad we got to connect. So thank you so much for reaching out and and I'm glad we could make it happen. And I really look forward to continued conversation. Me too. Me too. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Women and Warrior would like to invite you to participate in a new prayer campaign for our ministry. All women, no military affiliation is required, are encouraged to enlist. Bottom line up front, the Call to Prayer campaign aims to enlist and mobilize 10,000 women as prayer warriors to pray for specific goals, including an end to violence against women and children, restoration of our nation, healing for the brokenhearted, and protection for the vulnerable. Women who want to be a part of this campaign will sign up through the website at womenandwarrior.org. Once registered, participants will receive a welcome series of emails with an overview, then ongoing monthly prayer guides and trackers that unify women in prayer from all over the nation and world. Participants will have three chances weekly to connect with fellow warriors for one-on-one prayers using the check-in platform, which is a simple and easy method to actively pray for others. Participants will have access to a monthly prayer devotional based on the prayer guide sent via email. There will be weekly IG Live prayer calls, Tuesdays at noon Pacific Standard Time, access to future pop-up prayer events and local communities, and other exclusive access to ministry partner events. Participants will be encouraged to share their testimonies of answer prayer and how God has worked in their lives through this campaign. 
both to encourage others and to give glory to God. Through this campaign, we believe that women will activate the power and authority of prayer, bringing about transformation and renewal in their own lives and in the world around them.